At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is a major week here, folks, and a big one for the Golf Channel NBC family as we are broadcasting the 145th Open at Royal Troon, the ninth time this venerable layout has hosted golf's oldest major, and the first time it'll air solely on Golf Channel and NBC. Hey there, welcome into the Monday Scramble podcast. I'm George Savarikis with GolfChannel.com's Will Gray and Golf Channel analyst Trip Eisenhower. And guys, before we break down, what we're going to see out of the third major in 2016, we have to get to the news of the day. Another big name has withdrawn from the Rio Olympics in Jordan Spieth, kind of changing the shape of what we'll see for the U.S. Olympic golf team. Well, your reaction to the news that Jordan has decided to withdraw? My reaction is our poor producer, Kaz, spent so much time planning out this podcast and what we're going to talk about, and it just absolutely went up in flames two <laughs> hours beforehand. Uh, yeah, Jordan Spieth, a bit of a curveball. He was still uncertain. We all knew. We expected early this week that he was going to address his Olympic intentions, but now he is out. Each of the top four golfers in the latest world rankings are all sitting out the Rio Olympics. This is certainly not a uh, trip what people had in mind seven years ago when uh, they voted the games or when they voted golf back into the Olympics. And even a few months ago, you never would have expected the top four guys all to say, I'm not going to go. Well, yeah. Six of the top ten. Well, exactly. In 2009, when the golf was brought back to the Olympics, it was like, isn't it going to be cool to watch Tiger Woods get a gold medal in Rio? And Tiger how and far, Steve Stricker how going how down the stretch. We have come. Um, look, I, I, I get these players' decisions. I understand it. It, it. The risk of Zika is very small, according to the experts. But it's still there. It's still a risk. And Jordan speaks young. He hasn't started a family yet. And the risks that are associated with that, it's understandable. I. Look, it, I would not want to be put in that position as a player because it's tough. You want to represent the country, and you want to represent the Stars and Stripes, and you want to play for your country anytime you can. But you also have your personal issues and your personal safety and the safety of your future, hopefully children, for Jordan Speed. So I get it. Um, uh, again, I, I, I just it's an unenviable position that these players are in. I was surprised. I thought Jordan Spieth was going to go. I thought, um, you know, Ricky Fowler may not go. But then, you know, it seems like Ricky's definitely in, at least according to him uh, in the things. that heard rumors about DJ back and forth both ways for a couple of months. But this is new. The golf in the Olympics is new. I think in 2020 it's going to be different. It will be more used to it. It will be something that has, and hopefully there's no, you know, viruses going around that, that'll that'll exist there. But um, again, unusual step for Jordan Spieth, but uh, 
I understand it. I think for players, uh, you can't fault them for pulling out of the Olympics, but it's also a very convenient excuse yep. to just say Zika as the buzzword. And, for example, if you look at Roy McIlroy, he cited Zika concerns, and then he traveled to Barbados on a vacation. And they beforehand. Have this, but beforehand, yes. but yeah. they have the same level of Zika threat that Brazil has. So I'm, it's, it's the buzz at the moment because every guy knows that if they say Zika and say their family – you can't skewer them because who's going to say, oh, how dare you put your family in the forefront? But big picture, do you think that golf can stem the tide from this now that we look at who the American team is and how the field is set, that do you think it's more of a body blow than a knockout for golf in the Olympics? Uh, I think it's, it's going to be a very big body blow. I think, as you said, you know, Trip, what you were talking about in Tokyo in four years from now, I think if, if the Olympics were held right now in Tokyo and if Tokyo had Zika issues, I still think a lot more guys would go. I think, George, as you said, there's a lot of issues involved with Rio in terms of logistics, uh, security concerns, things like that, to go along with an overly ambitious PGA Tour schedule this summer where no one wanted to give up any ground to accommodate this big event coming into the schedule. Aside from the PGA Championship, which yeah. shifted up. That well, was even still, it's not a, a huge move for them. But, yeah, it, it, everyone just expected that the pieces were going to fall into place. And now we're here and we're living through it, and the pieces are not quite aligning, as I think a lot of tour executives had hoped for, IGF executives, et cetera. But to your original question, we're going to have to see. Remember, the vote on w determining if golf will remain in the Olympics beyond 2020 will occur next year. Mm -hmm. So all that we'll have to base our – or not our, but, but the people that are voting to base their decision on is what happens next month at Rio. I think a lot trip is going to hinge on how competitive things might be, who ends up winning – the gold medal, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people have to be hoping that it's one of those top five, six, seven names who are really household names and that you don't see a guy 48th or 52nd having the week of his life at the right time. Yeah, and I think down the road they might want to look at some format changes and look at making this different. I mean, is this is instead of 72 holes. I mean, it is what it is, and, and that's fine, and I understand that, but hopefully they look at, at everything, and, and if – because I hope it does continue. I think it would be a new tradition that would start. Traditions take a long time to build. Well, we okay. saw it with tennis. Tennis, when it was originally in the Olympics, took a while. A lot of yeah, 1988 was, was the first time. Right. It was, a lot of top guys didn't play in 88, and now you see 20, 30 years later that the Olympics are just as big for the big names as are the four majors. And that's what I think we'll eventually see with golf. And I think we're going to – we would see as it evolves, hopefully, a, a, you know, a unique format, something different. And, uh, again, they'll get it right. I hope they um, – uh, go back to your point, though, real quick while I'm thinking of it, is you're exactly right. It's all the security issue. It's the whole package of everything, and Zika is a convenient excuse. Not that it's not part of the decision-making, but it is a way that these players um, do have an out. and they're, triple they're threat of the schedule, security, and Zika. Yeah. And to just say, you know what? I'm out. To yeah. heck with it. I don't yeah. want to deal with it. Yep. Exactly. I'm going to punt this time. I think big picture that golf is probably safer in the Olympics than you guys would think of from what we're seeing in the field because hearing the IGF talk today at the press conference, they said that the primary factors, aside from having top talent playing it, is how, much, how many television viewers there are, how many newspapers it's in, and the social media impact. And I think it's still going to rate well. Yeah. And if you have a Ricky Fowler against Sergio Garcia or Justin Rose, there's still enough big names to draw in the hardcore golf fans, and then also the casual fans will say, okay, this is kind of neat, golf's back in the Olympics. And when you have NBC, Golf Channel, Sky Sports, whoever all these big providers are around the world who are pushing golf, they're going to be the ones putting the pressure on the Olympic Committee to say, hey, 
Let's have it go beyond 2020. And at the end of the day, money, I think, talks. Yeah, I think that the IGF press conference on Monday at Royal Troom was discouraging in terms of the field for this year's Olympics, but yeah. encouraging in terms of the potential future for golf beyond 2020. Well, and the other thing, too, is, is I do think it would be great to see the big names, the top players up there vying for it, and somebody we've never heard of. Somebody. Yeah, that's always how it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. would be great because everybody pulls for the underdog, and to have your country, like India, Anabon Lahiri, have yeah. him right there, you know, with the chance to win, that would be fantastic. So hopefully that's what happens, but we'll see. you got to play the 72 and, holes. And it's and hard for an American mentality. Last point, I'll, I'll time, chime in. The Olympics aren't necessarily the biggest sport or biggest vehicle when you have the four major sports, whereas in India, it's cricket, and then the Olympics are, exactly. are 1A and 1B. So if he wins a medal, let alone a gold, he's a hero for life, say, in India or other countries. Martin Keimer was saying that to him, the two most important things this year for him to win or try and win are the Open and a gold medal in the Olympics, that that would really yeah. resonate in Germany. So you see, depending on the country, certain guys are really embracing well, look at, part of the Olympics. look at Jakob Van Ziel. He yeah. withdrew from the Open and the PGA because he said that the Olympics are important and he wanted to put that on a pedestal and make sure that he's fresh. So, so yeah, it, it, it just depends on the, the player's perspective and perhaps the country they're from. One guy who withdrew his name from consideration, which we were a little surprised by, was Dustin Johnson coming off the win in the U.S. Open at Oakmont. Then he wins the WGC Bridgestone. We were both there firsthand to see how DJ looked. Is he the favorite? Is he going to carry over this momentum when it's a totally different style of golf over at Royal Troon? Well, he's played well in Open Championships before. He had it in control the year, um, was that 2011? 2011, when Darren, Darren Clark, Clark won. Yeah. He had it in control in the 15th hole. He's laying up with a four iron and lays up out of bounds. Uh, and that's where, you know, you're starting to, the majors were starting to pile up for DJ, the train wrecks that were happening late in, in major championships. He's over that hurdle. He's got the U.S. Open in his bag. Yes, he's the favorite. I don't think there's anybody playing better than him who has a better tool uh, box to attack any golf course, no matter what, no matter the conditions. The big thing for me that I love about what DJ's done is his wedge game. It was one of his weaknesses, and it's now his strength. When you drive it the way he does, and he is extremely straight for as long as he is, and you can wedge it the way he's wedging it now, I mean, he looks unbeatable at this point. Yeah, leading the tour in proximity, at least after the Bridgestone, from 50 to 125 yards. When you, If you get a 340-yard butter cut off the tee and you're going to stick your wedge to 12 feet, you can win just about anywhere. I don't care if they're, where they're playing. They could have this at Chambers Bay on the moon, and he's still going to be uh, one of the favorites. I would put him and Jason Day 1A, 1B. George, as you said, we were in Akron where it looked like Jason Day was on cruise control. He really had his game together. He's won 7 out of 20 starts. Going back to last year, should be, possibly should have been 8 out of 20 if he didn't let it get away from him at Firestone. But, you know, every attribute that you look at with Dustin Johnson's game that you say, I like him because, you can say the same thing about Jason Day. The wedges are strong. The distance off the tee is great. His putting has really come around over the last year or two. So I think that they're both head and shoulders above the And, and, and uh, Jason Day's a better putter than DJ. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if they're all – I think DJ uh, levels it out by his driving a little bit. Because even Jason Day said one time I was playing with DJ, and he said, I was trying to out-hit DJ. And he said, I had to give up. He said, I, yeah. I, he, he just looks effortless, <coughs> and the ball's going 20 by me. And that's 20 by Jason Day, right. a, a guy who's hitting it well over 300 yards. So uh, when you – I think that's the one leveling thing. Jason Day's a better putter. Uh, but DJ's still got that, that weapon that in the modern game that you've got to have, and that's the driver. Well, that's a weapon that he could use on full display at 
Firestone Country Club, of course, where you're forced to hit driver every hole. With the amount of pot bunkers that are strewn around Royal Troon, it kind of neutralizes his advantage off the tee. And the thing that concerns me, which I heard Noda Begay bring up, is that in scrambling around the greens, DJ is 107th. So for as great as his wedge game has become, its short game still isn't among the top tier, if you will, on the PGA Tour, whereas I think Jason Day, who I would say is a 1B or at least out of the top three of big names, he's able to scramble more. And he can yeah. save rounds even if he doesn't have his A-game ball strike. But I will say the one thing for DJ's favor, and the reason why he's 107th in scrambling over here, is he's a shut-face uh, player. He has trouble lofting the ball. And, and typically a shut-face chipper will have trouble getting the ball in the air. Over there, the short game is along the ground, much more so. He can bump and run shots. He can use his putter more. He doesn't have to loft it up as much on a Lynx-style golf, and in particular Royal Troon. You're not playing the ball very high. So, uh, again, that equalizes one of his weaknesses, which is around the greens. I think the, the style of golf, of open championship golf, uh, it helps him in, in the one thing that he's weak in. I will, right. I will say just one more thing. We haven't seen a player win the U.S. Open and the Open back-to-back -back since Tiger in 2000. DJ is playing really well right now. I don't think he's quite at Tiger 2000 level. No. Two other big names to throw in. Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy. Let's start with Spieth, who would be my favorite. I think with what Ooh, really? we saw wow. Sunday at Akron, that he finally straightened out the two-way miss. And that is so debilitating to a golfer to be fighting a two-way miss. I think say he, he spent he spent a month and a half fighting this two-way miss that he was talking about, and he has one good round at Firestone, and you're, you're buying in. I'm 100% buying stuff. in. Because okay. I think his short game is still there. That we haven't seen. He's not holding as many 25-foot putts, but the putter still is riding rounds where it can carry him. Like we saw Thursday at Akron. He shoots two under, right. can barely keep it on the map, and has 24 putts. So I think that it, his ball striking is getting there, and it, it, we're starting to see the signs. I thought by the end of the week at Akron, he was in a much better place than he was at the start of the week. He would be my favorite. Your take on where Speed's game's at. I think he's getting there. I think that Jason Day and Dustin Johnson are there. And I think that Spieth's – the problem that I've seen with Spieth this year is that when he has been erratic, especially with the iron approaches, it's been way off. And the, the margin for error at a course like Royal Troon, which, as you said, has so many pot bunkers and fescue grass and little spots that can become so penalizing that a, a small miss that becomes a big miss can lead to a really big number. We've seen guys make so many triples and quads. I remember Tiger back when he was playing – remember Tiger Woods? Uh, so, you know, he's, he's making sixes and eights all over the place. You don't have to hit a really bad shot to make a big number at Royal Troon, and that concerns me. Uh, yeah, I, I'm more on your side, Will. I, I can, you, Jordan Spieth's not a bad pick in any major championship. I mean, sure. he's, he's become that player that should be on anybody's short list, and he should be. The two-way miss, look, I, one week of it, no. If, if I'd have seen two weeks of it, I would be a little bit more – um, resting on on Jordan Spieth, but look, he his last four starts, he was tied for third, or, or he won. He had a 57th, a 37th, and then a third. So he's he's when he's off, he, he the short game's good. I mean, he's keeping him around, but it's just not putting him at the top like it was last year. The other thing is missing in the winds over there. If you're not striking your golf ball exactly the way you want with your irons. That wind's going to carry it all over the place. And, and Jordan Spieth, I just don't think it's quite there yet. Now, would I be surprised if he hoists the Claret Jug? Not at all. Not at all because he is Jordan Spieth. But he is not my favorite and not on my top three at this moment. And I did like what he said at the end of the week in Akron looking towards the Open 
a lot of guys talk themselves out of majors, and he was saying this is his favorite style of golf. And that's part of the reason why he got out there early, obviously, is to elongate his prep, but that he really enjoys having to flight the ball and having to play different shots than you see week in and week out. A guy whose game you would think growing up in Ireland would be tailor-made to thriving in the wind is Rory McIlroy, but that hasn't been the case in the Open. We haven't seen the A game, the Rory on all cylinders, so far in 2016 well, that we had glimpses of in, in Ireland. Playing pretty, we did. playing pretty good at the Irish Open. Yeah. He had a great final round. He wasn't dominant tee to green for the entire tournament. He hit that shot on 16 where he goes for it in two. That was the shot of the tournament. If he doesn't pull that off, then he loses. It wasn't like the quintessential Rory tee to green overpowering a golf course the entire time. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, he's still struggling a little bit with the driver. He caught up with him at Oakmont. I mean, having the weekend off there. Um, Rory struggles, struggles when he loses it left off the tee. He can miss it right, and he's won majors missing it just to the right. And the, the claret jug he got a couple of years ago, that was his only miss. He would just line up down the, the, the right-hand side of the, of the rough, and if he missed it, it would go a little right, but it was fine. And he, um, those were perfect conditions for him, though. Yep. Soft, very little wind. Uh, you know, that was an ideal open for him. If the weather's bad, I don't think Rory McIlroy um, wins this tournament. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that he's more so than maybe other players really looking at that weather forecast, and he's probably doing whatever rain dance he has in his hotel room because the softer that course gets, the more it plays into his advantage, the high ball flight. You know, everything you said, Trip, about Dustin Johnson flighting it low and playing it along the ground, Rory McIlroy's on the other side of the spectrum. He likes to hit it high. He likes to land it soft. And that worked out well at Hoy Lake two years ago when there wasn't a lot of wind. But it, we've seen him get blown around at open championship venues before and two over, three over rounds become five and six over, kind of like we saw in the first round at Oakmont uh, just last month. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that there's actually a little bit of pressure on Rory just because the other players around him are playing so well. And this is his first chance to play as an open champion, having missed last yeah. year's title defense. I think that that adds an interesting element. But uh, yeah, he, he would prefer to see it a little bit softer, but if the wind starts to blow, it could be a problem. And I would say, like, his title defense last year, coming in last year, if he wouldn't have been hurt, I oh, yeah. think he, St. Andrews is a much better venue for him than Royal Troon, and, yeah. and I think he would have been a, a factor in that tournament last year. It is pretty amazing how high the bar has been set for Roy, that he has a third-place finish at the French Open, and it's like, ah, I didn't seriously contest. It's yeah. <laughs> finish is third, yeah. but it's still, it, he still hasn't. We can, I guess, draw straws for the Irish Open, but we haven't consistently seen the 72 holes tee to green, especially having the driver as a weapon. Yeah. So basically you need to see him win a tournament by eight shots to give the Rory. Well, no, no, I, it, I need to see him off the tee thrive yeah. for four consecutive rounds. I, look, I agree with you, George, and, and it caught up with him at the Masters in the third round. He shot yeah. 77. It looked like I thought this is going to be Rory getting the career grand slam this year after two rounds. I thought this is Rory's tournament, the way he's playing, and then he goes out and starts missing it left and shoots a 77 on Saturday and shoots himself out of contention. But uh, I think Roy McIlroy, if that driver's there, yes. Again, uh, the weather conditions are supposed to be bad. Yeah. So uh, that's why I think you might not want to have Rory on the top of your list. All right, who outside the top four? There are more than four guys in the field this mm -hmm. week. Let's start ripping through some names that you would consider outside the top four. Is it time now, George? Yeah. Time to go? Uh, how about not your pick. But some other names. All right. Now I'm thinking. Sure. All right. Uh, let's see. How about Brandon Grace? Mm -hmm. No one's talking about Brandon yeah. Grace. Four top fives 
in his last five major championship starts, no worse than T20 in the last year and a half. This guy is, is right there, and he's a guy who enjoys the tough tests. He's played well at the U.S. Open each of the last two years. Uh, I would not surprise me. I think eventually he's one of those guys that he's going to win a major, and whenever he does, people are going to be pretty surprised, and they probably, the casual golf fan, I'm still looking okay. across. Okay, all right. They're going to say, who is this guy? <laughs> but, but you look back at this resume that he's building up, and it is really, really significant. Yeah, it's like Danny Willett, you know, coming yeah. in. Nobody in America really paid attention to Danny Willett, but he was the 12th-ranked golfer in the world. Yeah. You know, when he won the Masters, it's like this guy is a world-class player just like Brandon Grace. But I look at a guy who's playing well, trend is your friend, and a guy who's played well in the Open Championship before. Now, I'm not screaming way outside the top four. I'm going with Henrik Stenson. I think Henrik Stenson, yeah. the, the, the knee, he had to withdraw from the Open or the U.S. Open. Um, I think this he's come close here before. He played well the year Phil won. He's had a couple of third-place finishes in this championship. Royal Troon, a ball striker where you've got to be precise. And the things he, the way he's hitting the ball now, uh, his last four starts, he's had a fourth, a first, and a 13th, and along with the withdrawal in the U.S. Open. So uh, he's playing some fantastic golf. And, and of the major championships, you would certainly think a, 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 where ball striking is at a premium, uh, Henrik Stenson should be on your short list. I'm going to go with a name who I mentioned earlier, Martin Keimer, who hasn't done it a wow. ton this year. I agree with you. He's seriously under the radar, and you look at his last four or five starts, he has found his golf game again. He is trending in the right yeah. direction. In Ireland, he got totally hosed because they had two different sides of the draw where he had to play in the worst parts of the conditions on Thursday, and then it happened on Friday as well where no one broke 70 out of the morning wave, and he was in that morning wave. Ended up finishing in fifth had a good final round in Scotland, and he has just been brimming with positivity. Talking to him at the BMW PGA when I was, did a couple of European tour events, said he seems like that he's found it. He said he's close to where he was in 2014 when he peeled off that stretch with the players in the U.S. Open. So I, it's not like I'm going to say that, oh, yeah, he's going to win the Open, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the first page of the leaderboard and depending on the draw and the breaks is a factor in this. I think that he's knocking on the door and getting close to where he was. So people forget he's got two majors and a player's championship <laughs> in, his, in his closet. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. guy can play against the best on some of these great When courses. he's on. I when mean, he's and, on, and yes. he trends, and to your point, George, he's one of these players that you can, you can kind of spot a little bit of a trend, but when he's off, he's... You he's know, way off. He's way yeah. off, yeah, and he's been way I off. I could look like a genius or an idiot. <laughs> well, no, but it, it's not, <laughs> he, he's that guy that you see how he's playing. Like, he started playing well the end of April uh, in 2014. He won the Players' Championship, and then he um, obviously winning a U.S. Open by as many shots as he did. It was eight, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, anytime you can beat a major major field like that, you have the chops to do it. And as you said, two majors in his resume. And mm -hmm. he's only, what, 30 or 31? Yeah. He's halfway to yeah. the career Grand Slam. Yet he has these ebbs and flows where you, he becomes such an afterthought because yeah. his game seemingly goes dormant for 6, 12, 18 months at a time. Speaking of trends, pretty odd trend at Royal Troon dating back to 1962. That was when Arnold Palmer got his revenge against Kel Nagel, who had topped him in the 1960 Open. Palmer boat raced the field one by six to take his second consecutive Open title. Since then, the Stars and Stripes, they've been flying high at Royal Troon, guys. As we take a look at the past six champions since the King won in 62, you have Tom Weisskopf, Tom Watson, Mark Kalkovecchia, what a year in 89, the first aggregate playoff winner. Justin Leonard in 97, and Todd Hamilton 
in 2004. So is this an odd quirk? What, what is it about Troon that has yielded all these American winners? Odd quirk. Odd quirk, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think it's... Uh, Anytime you've got Todd Hamilton in the mix of, of your stat and you're trying to build a reason or rationale around why things happen, I think that you're, uh, it's a lost cause. No I, commonalities between his game, Justin Leonard's game? That no. Well, I think not. that there... But the, the commonalities that might exist also exist for non-American players. I mean, this is a, this is a course. It's you know, an old-school open rota layout where you need to be accurate with your iron approaches. You need to avoid the pot bunkers and avoid the big numbers. And it just happens that... The Americans have done a better job of that in recent years. I mean, Ernie Els probably should have won in 2004. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jesper Parnovic should have won in 97. So this, it could have gone the other way just as easily, but it makes for a nice factoid. Yeah, I just, I'm with him. Odd quirk. Uh, it, and it, I think it'll change this year. I don't think an American wins. I'm guaranteeing number seven. No, I'm <laughs> clearly an odd quirk. I mean, yeah. It's just good stars, 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 stars and stripes Savarikas yeah. running around the <laughs> newsroom uh, here. You uh, say. It's getting ready for the Ryder Cup here. The weather that we're going to see, not typical to what we're seeing this summer so far in the U.S., especially summer in Florida. A little yes. different than little uh, July in Scotland, guys. What type of weather or what type of uh, element do you think that the weather will play this week at Royal Troon? It's already really soft. There's been a lot of rain so far. Well, I think as we were discussing earlier, I think the key is going to be the wind. If the wind blows, that that's the thing that it seems can affect players more so than necessarily hard versus soft conditions. And Trip, you can certainly speak more to this point, but that seems like that's the element that when it goes up, it can really get guys off their game and it makes for a much more unbalanced field draw in terms of the early late guys where so many times we see because of the way the Open Championship does their tee times where everyone goes out off the first tee and there's such a spread of tee times that some guys duck it early in the week and other guys play in the brute force. Of it. There is always that factor, especially at an Open Championship. And the other thing about the wind over there is most Americans don't un uh, they 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 get it, but it's a real heavy wind. It's a it's a I, the only wind in America that I've played similar uh, to is a wind at Pebble Beach coming off the ocean when it was kind of cold, and it it just moved the ball a lot more than you're used to. So, uh, but playing over there, you get used to it. You uh, you make the adjustments, but you have to aim way further on crosswinds and and you know play way more club than you think into the wind. Um, it really has a huge effect on the golf ball. And remember, this golf course goes out and comes back. Yeah. So, you know, if you get the wind that, that could be forecast where you're going out into that wind and straight out and then it's coming back straight downwind, I mean, uh, that go outwind going out is really difficult. And, of course, the postage stamp, uh, one of the great holes in golf. But it, one of the players was tweeting that he in his uh, last week he was playing a practice round, he hit a four iron from 100. And, Ten yards, you it's know, like seven pebble. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And guys have hit three iron there, and you yeah. stand on that tee, go, "How did you hit a three iron here?" Right. You know, and it, but it 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 definitely has a factor. Uh, patience is so important because you're going to hit good shots that end up in bad spots, and you're going to make a couple of big numbers probably. Even the champion probably will have a double on his scorecard. But that the ability to rebound from that and understand it's going to happen is part of the mix. Two ways to look at the weather. If there's not a ton of wind and it's soft, then that widens the fairways for the longer hitters. The other thing is if the wind blows, which I thought was interesting, what Phil Mickelson said, it took him about 20 years to learn how to play the Open till Muirfield. He said to learn to play more club to be able to flight the ball and have less spin so that it won't balloon, which is something that you could say would be concerning with Jason Day because his game necessarily doesn't, isn't tailor-made to flight the ball, that he's known to be a, mm -hmm. a hall-by yeah, high-ball hitter. 
So with that being said, whose game would be best suited to handle the conditions if there is wind or if it's just soft? Well, I, I, I'm sticking with DJ as far as the uh, – just because of everything he's got going now. Uh, or what style of player? What style of player? Yeah. Um, Before we get to predictions. I, you know, golly, what style? It's, it's, you look at a guy like Ricky Fowler, you know, played college golf at Stillwater, Oklahoma, played in the wind. He's, a, he's one of those top top guys that can flight the ball. He's one close. Right. And, and so, he, so it is – you need someone that's going to be able to craft their shot, like you said – trip you know sometimes hit a five iron for a shot that looks like you need an eight iron and be able to work your ball and and move it from one direction to the next and avoid those those big numbers they need a good finish at bridgestone as well a guy who had struggled in the summer and finally seems to be turning the quarter a bit what were you going to tell well, no i no i think a guy like adam scott too you know i mean he's got all the shots and the versatility and and to your point you've got to hit an eight iron sometimes from 100 100 yards yeah. over there and you just do i mean and those those are the tight touch and feel shots. And, and Phil Mickelson comes to mind because he's so creative. Uh, I don't think he's going to win this championship, even though he did come off a good round at the Scottish. I, I, I think those type players that, are, that maneuver the ball a lot of different ways instead of the guys that are just straight hitters, very, uh, you know, like a Justin Rose that's very straight, doesn't work the ball a lot, because you do have to work it into the wind a lot over there. Justin Ray, our, our top researcher for Golf Channel, is starting to churn out those open championship nuggets, and it seems like Every stat that he has relating to scoring that goes back to 2011 or 2012 in the open, Adam Scott's right at the top. Oh, yeah. Birdies, scoring average, strokes under par. He has been so rock-solid consistent in this championship over four or five years across a variety of venues, so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him at the top again. I think one thing we're all glad that the RNA is running this event after <laughs> we saw what unfolded this past week with the oh. USGA, the U.S. Women's Open on the heels of what we saw with the U.S. Open, it just kind of makes you want, like, how can you keep, I wanted to hide. I was watching on TV. And how can you keep screwing this up? So your, your thoughts on what we saw in the, in the second playoff hole, the, uh, the high-def resolution camera showed that she did brush a pebble. So then the information is disseminated after Nordquist has played her third shot on 18 prior to Lang playing her third shot. What do you think of the, how the USGA handled this? Awful. I'll go with awful. that. And their, their, their track record's perfect of, of awful this summer in, in our national championships, both men and women. Let's hope they keep it perfect for the uh, uh, PGA US Tour Amber. champion or the U.S. Senior, senior Amateur Open. Senior yeah. Open. Um, I, I just, I don't, I, it's puzzling to me. I, I mean, I've heard Aaron Oberholzer say on this, this network, it's a group of amateurs that try to run pro tournaments. and uh, It's pretty accurate. It is, and and they don't rely on the people that do it week to week enough. I was talking to a PGA Tour official this last week who was there and said the nightmares that go, they go through that, that, that adds time to things that don't need to add time. The PGA Tour guys do it every single week. Would have never had none of, either of Dustin's or the thing with Brittany Lang. None of those would have happened if the PGA Tour were involved. No, I wish the USGA would. Seed back, you know, back off a little bit, be involved, be in control, but let the tours, both the men's and the women's, run this. Yeah, I think if you could have hit the pause button after the penalty and after, after we saw what Ann Norquist did in that bunker, and you would have said, all right, what's the worst-case scenario here for how they can 
work this out from here. It would have been, <laughs> how about we tell one player before, the player that's in the lead, she gets to know before she hits her final shot, and the player that now unknowingly has to play catch-up, she doesn't find out until every shot basically has already been played. And, of course, that's how, that's how it happened. The USGA, after, after the issues with Dustin Johnson and not you know, saying if there's going to be a penalty, it seemed like they were in such a quick rush to say, all right, as soon as we know for sure there's a penalty, we want to run out to the fairway and tell them what's going on, but it, it turned out to be, as you said, George, an unequal distribution of information where, where Anna Norquist is told she has this penalty and she has no chance to adjust her no game plan. Whatsoever. Yeah, there's nothing she can do. And, and Brittany Lang said that, yeah, I t she totally changed how she played that final shot into 18, and I'm sure Norquist would have done something differently had she known that she was two shots down. It was just a, a number of errors, one on top of the other. What's the fix? In my mind, Fox saw it right after they teed off on 18. Pause it. Hit so, the, listen, there are two players, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there are two players on the course. We, this is so different from the U.S. Open at Oakmont where you've got the whole final round going on. Everything's done. We're in overtime. Yeah. So you can sit those women down on the 18th tee and say, listen, we're not sure what's going on, but we need to figure out before you guys hit another shot. And I'm sure both of them would have been just fine with that. Does the NFL, when they, they have a, a play that is under review, do they let them keep playing? They just keep going. And then, hey, we're going to come back right. and we'll let – I mean, no, exactly. You stop. And it's, it's – it really is crazy that they, they would even not do that. I, I don't understand how you can let – we're going to look well, at it. official with each group. How hard is it to say, hey, there could have been a infraction right. in the previous hole. We're going to look at it and we're going to make a determination for anybody hits another shot. Exactly. It's mind-boggling that just, I, I just yeah. U.S. Senior <laughs> Open, Scioto. Yeah, Book your but, but the other thing too, and I do want to address this. I understand it was a violation of the rules. Okay, but I contend that that happened eight other times to players. That same thing. You think you're you're not grounding your club, and you brush just a tiny that nobody sees except a high def camera. There needs to be. I mean. Look, I, I, I get it. It's a rule. She broke it. But there needs to be a little bit of judgment on that and, and these high-def rulings. That's a slippery slope, though. I mean, I agree with you. I don't think that she gained an advantage, and I don't think that she was trying to gain an advantage. I don't think that she knew she grounded the club. But when you're trying to legislate intent, that gets a little tough from, from a rules perspective. I, I get it. But in a high-def situation, you, I, I think most would agree. But then again, in a high-def situation, most would agree that Dustin Johnson right. didn't cause that ball to move. Right. This but is, the USGA somehow did. I mean, I, you, so. There are a number of, of rules and infractions and penalties that the USGA hands out that many players would say they you know, weren't intending to break the rule, didn't gain an advantage, whatever, and they still get slapped with one or two. All right. Now to uh, glass half full, happier times. There we go. We're both. We're all gambling men here. Okay. Allegedly. Friends. Allegedly. Yeah. You're the odds to win the 145th Open at Royal Troon. Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, 1-2 at 8 and 9-1. to one. As we delve further down the list, Henrik Stenson, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, a name we haven't brought up. He's at 25-1. to one. Sergio's getting a lot of love out there. People mm. think that this could be the week. You're not buying no. <laughs> Sergio? Sergio doesn't have what it takes to win a major. He said it, and I'm agreeing Henrik with it. Henrik Stenson does what Sergio doesn't. Yes. Okay. I would, I would say Sergio would be a better chance there. Winning score before we get your predictions. Oh, God. you, you got to tell me what the weather's going to do first, George. That's, yeah, that's the whole part I'm not the rainmaker over here, so well, you got to. Right. If the forecast stays, okay, I'm just going to go with that. Okay. Right now it's forecast for some really uh, highs, I believe, of 60 yeah. and windy. 35-mile-an-hour winds, right? Mm -hmm. Like we saw at the first two rounds of the Scottish Open last week. If that forecast holds, seven underwind. 
I was going to say eight. So yeah, I'm, the I'm winner at the Scottish that. Open was 14 under. Yeah. Well, it stopped blowing over the weekend. It, it was dead calm on the weekend. Yeah. On Sunday. But I'm, you're not, it could be dead calm. It could. Okay. I'm going to say like 13 to 15 under range. If you look historically, know. 12 under, 1 in 04. 12 under, 1 in 97. Yeah. Okay. Unless you have this gale force wind perpetually blowing. Which we're supposed to. For all four days. No, for two of the days. Then it would be exactly like Scotland, where it was blue <laughs> okay. for two days. But then it was that golf course is not as tough as Royal Troon. All right. What, what was your prediction? Uh, I'm going to say eight, although your incredible research has me second-guessing my own guess. Well, research, we had the graphic earlier. I know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I appreciate, I appreciate that you're bringing the heat here with, with the knowledge. Uh, yeah, I, I just think that, as you were saying, that Royal Troon is a different animal then Castle Stewart, that you know, coming down the back nine of Castle Stewart, there were not a lot of big numbers lurking for the leaders. You can't say the same about Royal Troon, especially with that layout where you're coming back, playing seven or eight holes in a row, probably into the prevailing wind. Big four or the field? Field. Yeah. Always give me the field with yeah. this. Field. Field. No question. You can yeah, set this up later if you want. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. taking the field. It's, it, you, yeah, just the numbers. Yeah. The but numbers. I love the big four of the field, take the field, and then who's going to win? Yeah, the big oh, four. Oh, one of the big yeah. four. <laughs> so what do you got? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Andy yeah. Sullivan's going to win. Wow, I like that. Oh, yeah. Spaceman. I'm going way out. Okay? okay. World number 36. Not on a lot of people's radar, just like Danny Willett wasn't on a lot of people's radar before that. World-class player, won three times in Europe last year. He's got he's got the thing to be hanging around one of these things and something go his way and I just got a feeling it's one of these weeks where the big four everybody's thinking <laughs> that they're gonna do this and somebody like Andy Sullivan walks up and sneaks up behind these guys and makes the right putt at the right moment. He's had two straight top tens, including a sixth place finish last week in Scotland, and he had a fifth place finish in France. He's he's he playing well. In Scotland, if he could have made any putts in the back, that's night, what I'm saying. Either. A double and still yep, shot yeah. 68 or 69. I just decided to go off the reservation this time. Trip's going with it. a Ben Crenshaw feeling. I like yep. this. This is good. Yep. Uh, George, you'll appreciate my consistency this time. I'm taking the field against the big four, and my pick is also coming from the field. I will have Louis Oosthuizen mm. to put his name back on the Claret Jug. Runner-up in the playoff last year. We saw what Dustin Johnson did a month ago going from second to first at the U.S. Open. I just love Oosthuizen's game, especially if the wind is going to blow, if the conditions are going to be inclement. He has finished 30th or better in seven straight majors. That is a really consistent record over the last year and a half. Whenever these big events pop up, if he's healthy, he's usually on the leaderboard. So I think that's going to happen. the last couple of terms, he's had the weekend off. He's been working on his game to get it ready. Listen, he's got he's, a pitch count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Angel rubbing Cabrera, it in. No, Angel Cabrera, <laughs> Ustazen, there are a couple of guys that they just peak sure. for the big events. And Ustazen has shown more often than not. Angel Cabrera is a little, a little bit of a limb there. I mean, he peaked like... Here and there. Five years. Well, Ustazen's peaks more. He'd see a shadow and then he disappears. Ustazen peaks more than Cabrera. But what I'm saying is that I'm looking back. I want to know how they've played in the big events. And regardless of venue, Louis Ustazen right. puts himself into contention, even on weeks where you don't expect him to yeah. do it. I'm going with the two names that I already mentioned American. Two people can't win. Jordan George. Spieth. Boom, seven in a row, another American, and then the under-the-radar guy would be Martin Keimer. So you can okay. sneak in an under-the-radar. Okay. Under right. right. Well, mine's under-the-radar yeah. regardless. Yeah. Who would be an under-the-radar name that you toss in before we go? Besides Louis Uh Can I get back and retoss Brandon Grace? 
That's not under the radar. That's not under the radar. Hey, you're the one that's going on the limb with Jordan Spieth here. Yeah. Uh, Tripp, you toss yours and I'll like, well, Mine's Andy Sullivan. I mean, yeah, right. it's under the radar, over the radar. Get Matt the Fitzpatrick. Matt Fitzpatrick. Okay, there we go. Now you're bringing a little heat. There it took you, you half an hour to warm up. It actually brings something to the table. Hey, every I do what I can for you, George. All right, guys, it'll be a fun week to see, especially because we got opening bell to closing bell right here on Golf Absolutely. Tripp Eisenhower, George or George Severick is right here. Will Gray. It's a long Monday. Who am I? What's on first? Thanks for joining us on the Monday Scramble Podcast. Joe Louie. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.